Hi, and welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and we'll be talking about Hocus Pocus. Happy Halloween! Jan, do you want to tell us a bit about this movie? Hocus Pocus is a 1993 movie directed by Kenny Ortega, and it stars Bette Midler, Kathy and Jimmy, and Sarah Jessica Parker as the Sanderson sisters, as well as Ormery Cates, Thora Birch, and Vanessa Shaw, and Doug Jones. <laughs> so, Paul, will you tell us a little bit about the plot of Hocus Pocus? In the town of Salem, the three witches, the Sanderson sisters, kidnap a child and steal her life force, but are caught and hanged by the townsfolk. They cast one last spell to say that some Halloween night when the moon is full, a virgin will light a candle and uh, they will rise from their graves. 300 years later, that happens. Then they go back in their graves. Uh-huh. Keep going, Paul. Like, what happens in the 300 years later is pretty straightforward. Like, they're raised from their graves, they run amuck amuck amuck, and then they can only be alive for a night. So the hero, Max, and his sister, Danny, and his love interest, um, Amanda? Allison. And his love interest, Allison, successfully stall the Sanderson sisters for a whole night. To uh, keep them from casting more spells to stay alive forever. Exactly. That's, I mean, like, those are the main characters. That's the main characters (laughs) and the main plot. You're right. That's very true. (laughs) I just think, like, really. So we watched this uh, the Friday before Halloween, and now we realize that we're going to have to release this episode either early or... Just a couple days after Halloween. So, happy belated Halloween. Here's some Hocus Pocus. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't Halloween yet when we recorded it. But we weren't on the ball enough to actually release it before Halloween. (laughs) Nope, we sure weren't. (laughs) You know, the movies we choose are contingent upon what our kids want to watch. So the Halloween movie has to be now. It just does. So, objectively speaking, how good of a movie is Hocus Pocus? It's... Retained its popularity for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's a good, fun, very light horror movie. Yeah, Very much a horror movie for kids. The costuming is fantastic. Just like a highlight of this movie. I noticed this time for the first time. I mean, I haven't seen this movie in many, many years. But like, wow, the costumes are really good. They are. (laughs) Just as a Throughout, not just the witch costumes, but like... Everyone's costume is really good. And I mean, in this like, movie. I guess for a Halloween movie, you want to have good costumes, but it's not just like the costume costumes, but like, I mean, the, the cloaks that the Sanderson sisters wear are just phenomenal. They are really good. And yeah, so kudos to that good costuming. Um, with aside from like some bad acting from children and people, I just generally think this is like a fun, good movie. Yeah. What do you think? I think in terms of writing is what we often talk about. I think that both uh, script-wise, like uh, 
both screen the screenplay and the plot are really quite good. The plot has some, you know, stalling moments. But it's that kind of a story where, like, you just have to... The the lines of conflict are incredibly clear. The villains want something very specific. And all the heroes have to do is just stop them from getting it for the entire movie. And that's what happens. And it's, you know, very straightforward. Yeah. And very well built in that way. Mm-hmm. And the script is great. It's really funny. It's really good script, I think. Yeah. And the acting, like, the three witches are all really good. What people really remember, I think, about this movie is the Sanderson sisters. You've got Bette Midler, you've got Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy Jimmy, and they're just so good that you kind of maybe forget about the bad child acting and especially this, like, those teenage boys acting that's right. just, like, super bad. Yeah. But, and, and I mean, even the script for them is bad, but the majority yeah. of it is just, yeah, the, just those, the, the three witches are just so good. They overshadow a lot of the less than stellar acting in this movie. I actually totally agree. I said the script was good, but what you said is more accurate that like the witches script is really good. Everyone else's script is Disney movie. Mm-hmm. It's a good Disney movie. It's a good after-school made-for-TV Disney movie from everyone else. And it's a really surprisingly good movie, objectively, from The Three Witches. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, would you have, watching this movie, would you have called that Thora Birch was going to have, like, a career as a star for a while? Mm, Not necessarily, no. Right? Like, she's charming and she's... I can see that she's, you know, has a presence on the screen. But I don't know that you could have called the level of stardom she got out of this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other two main teenage leads are fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So aside from objectively, how much did you enjoy this movie? I enjoyed it a lot. I have affection for it. I remember watching it when I was younger. Like you, I haven't watched it since I was, you know, a teenage uh, preteen. Like it was 93 it came out. So yeah. I probably watched it. I didn't watch it in theaters, but I probably watched it when it came out on TV and haven't seen it since. But there's a lot I remember very well about this movie. It made an impression on my mind. For sure, for sure. I remember, definitely saw it a few times throughout, like, my early teenage years. And maybe once as an adult, I'm not sure. But what I really remember was, like, there's the, all the floppy-haired boys that were so cool in the 90s. (laughs) The, like, before, like, you have, like, the flashback or, like, at the very beginning in the 1600s. And you have the, the little, the blonde boy that turns into the cat. And then you have the main uh, Max, the main boy throughout. And, like, they were both really dreamy. And I remember talking about it with my friends about, like, who liked which one of those. And I think I liked the old-fashioned guy better because I'm an Mm. old-fashioned girl. You are an old-fashioned girl. (laughs) This movie just came out, this among other, a few other movies, came out right at the right time for me of, like, starting to 
think that boys were cute and like starting to when they snuggle up the boy and the girl in this movie be like oh i kind of want that (laughs) and that was kind of a new thing for me at like you know 11 12 right so watching these movies always brings back this flood of like oh man those feelings those new like exciting i like a boy kind of feelings (laughs) it's so fun In terms of enjoyment of this movie, the other thing I want to say about it is just the surprising number of Buffy the Vampire Slayer connections in this movie. I know, right? Because Doug Jones, who's Billy the zombie in this movie, of course plays one of the gentlemen on Buffy. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the bullies, Eddie slash Ice, call me Ice Man, I told you, uh, is Larry from Buffy. Yeah. And both of those are very minor characters in Buffy, but if you're a huge fan like we are, they really stand out of like, hey, those people. And then, like a central moment in this movie is Max tricking the witches into thinking it's daylight and they like react as if they're being turned to dust by the sunlight, which happens in the pilot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Yeah. In the episode The Harvest. It absolutely. And I wonder, like, this movie was in 93 and Buffy was in 97. So, like, did they copy that? I mean, it's kind of a obvious thing to do, but, like, it's straight up the same joke, the same thing. If you told me that the Joss and the makers of Buffy had never seen Hocus Pocus, I would call you a liar to your face. <laughs> there is no way they weren't aware of this movie. Yeah. So it's definitely taken from this movie. It's definitely definitely they're copying that joke yeah i think actually buffy does it a little better yeah i agree but it's still like anyway a lot of connections to buffy yeah. which uh makes me connections to buffy only makes me like a thing more Mm-hmm. exactly i really like in one of the things i remembered about this movie coming into it and i was surprised how late in the movie it happens but i really like the turn where billy the zombie turns out to be good yeah turns out to help them out instead of yeah. It's both clever and it's also really good for like a scary movie aimed at kids where the gross corpse zombie turns out not to be a threat mm-hmm. and it really relieves all that tension. And there's a couple of moments that I think they do that quite well. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe the one that does most. Where like yeah, absolutely. They do what works so well for horror for kids, which is the scary thing wasn't scary. And we tell you right away that it wasn't scary. Yeah, the other moment is when the cat, Thackeray, gets run over by a car and we see, like, a flattened cat. And our older daughter, like, gasped and was really like, oh, the cat's dead. But then, of course, he comes back to life because he can't die. And she's like, oh, yeah, I should have remembered. Yeah. You know, so she was appropriately horrified, but then was like, oh, yeah, I should have known that. So that was that was also a really good, well done moment to have. Which is just... You know, yeah, done exactly right. Yeah. I think. I, I, in fact, when I was thinking about this movie, I thought it was scarier than it was. Yeah. Because I was like holding off, like thinking, oh, maybe next year for Hocus Pocus. And you were like, no, let's watch it this year. And I'm glad we did because, yeah, it. I don't think it's like, now that I said that, I'm going to eat my words because they're going to be calling because of nightmares <laughs> or something ridiculous. But I really was surprised at how unscary it was. That leads us, I think, into our occasional segment of what is the appropriate age for this movie because this isn't a cartoon it's a live action movie there's like 
your memory of it may remember it being either scarier or less scary. So you might not know what's the right age for this movie. Having just watched it, what is our assessment? I would say it's appropriate for kids eight and up. Yeah. Depending on your kid's sensitivity to, to, to scariness, because it still does have scary elements. The witches are turned out to, in my memory, the zombie was like, I didn't find it scary, but then the zombie is what I was worried that our seven-year-old would find scary. Mm-hmm. And he's less scary than I remember even. Yeah. He's kind of goofy right from the get-go. Yeah. But the witches have real moments of, like, they're comic, but they also have moments of real menace. Mm-hmm. Especially exactly. to a little kid. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Basically, be aware and be, at least for us, what really works always is if we're watching it along with them, we're laughing. Yeah. And they're getting the fact that it's supposed to be funny and not scary. So I think that really helps with a younger a younger kid for this movie. But definitely, yeah, like eight, nine, ten, those are good ages to watch this movie at. And then obviously older than that is great as well. Yeah. There's another element of it that I think uh, might be relevant to what age is appropriate that's not about scariness. But that's a topic I want to really discuss in the in our next segment. Well, I think t- we should discuss that. Let's just get into it. Let's get into the way, way, way too, too serious portion of our show. So the first thing I want to talk about about this movie, this movie is obsessed with virginity yep it says the word virgin like a hundred times and like and our kids found out exactly what that word means tonight yeah that's okay that's fine but wow does it say it a lot so i want to get out of the way kind of like why that might be a concern in terms of like four kids and if you're listening as a parent who doesn't know whether this is a movie you would show with your kids just to be aware that like you need to be prepared to explain to your kid what a virgin is Mm -hmm. because they say it a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And you might not, and different parents have different tolerances and that's all fine, right? Yeah. Just something you should know going into it. Yeah. But let's talk about what a virgin is and why virgin and what is going on with virginity in this movie because Mm -hmm. I think there's a few layers to pick at and the first one is there is an assumption in this movie like it's a surprise that max lights the candle and a virgin lit the candle because there is an assumption unspoken that virgin means girl Mm-hmm. right absolutely there's other assumptions that we'll get to but i want to first like why is there an assumption that virgin means girl in this movie and even in culture and life? It's the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the it's always been in, like, it's on the girls. It's what matters is girls' virginity. No one cares about guys' virginity. Right. And so there is d- just that element of it that... But of course, it's it's just always, it's also about like a teenager in general is mm-hmm. like, it's shocking you're a virgin when you're 14 when like it so isn't shocking at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I want to get to that too. But 
to talk about like why it's surprising that virgin could refer to a boy mm-hmm. uh, which they don't express address explicitly no they don't to their movie's credit and this is a thing i'm taking too seriously kind of about cultural conversations about virginity that the movie is minorly trading on so i don't think the movie is actually i think the movie is actually subverting that uh consciously so i'm not criticizing the movie in this i'm just using it as a spring off point to uh notice cultural assumptions right yeah when Chaucer in the 14th century is writing the Canterbury Tales, he has the wife of Bath refer to uh, the Apostle Paul as a maid. And that's weird to modern readers because maid means girl. But she means a maid is a virgin and that is either male or female. Hmm. Right? Interesting. He uses the word a maid. What does it matter that he was a maid? Just because he was a maid doesn't mean I have to be. Right? Right. Um. So that's... Part, that leads me to cultural assumptions that virgin inherently means girl more than boy. Those aren't baked into the concept. And the concept of virginity is culturally constructed. What exactly that means is a cultural uh, agreement. Yeah. Absolutely. Rather than. And so sometimes. Uh, if you are haven't been, if you haven't thought about it, sometimes people might think, well, it makes sense that uh, virgin means for girls, not boys, because you know, physical vaginas and hymens and etc. But like, that is not what that word really means, and mm-hmm. never has been. Yeah, because it's about a cultural uh, label that goes with. Uh, having performed or not performed certain culturally uh, prioritized acts, right? Yeah. Which is all just to say, when this movie for children in the teenager early teen, preteen age is so fixated on virginity, even though they're subverting the uh, female default of what virgin means, they're still placing a high priority on an emphasis on virginity as if it's like a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. The other thing that I think is in this because of the cultural expectations of virginity is it's about purity. It's about somehow they are, he is holier, a person who is a virgin is holier than the Sanderson sisters. Right. And, and that's it... where it gets all tied up in sex equals uh, the worst possible sin, it equals depravity, it equals all sorts like, of things. Not even the worst possible sin, but just like defilement. Like yeah. you're stained forever. Forever defilement, yes. Right? There's no way to wash that off. And that's all tied into why do the Sanderson sisters suck children's souls because they're getting youth, but also because they're symbolically kind of representing, it's like the picture of Dorian Gray. They mm-hmm. get. They want youth and beauty because they're cleaning their outside instead of cleaning their inside. Mm-hmm. And that's also what that is, you know, the candle needs to be lit by a virgin because it has to be innocence and purity that brings them back. Right? Yeah, exactly. And then there's the another thing about virginity in this movie that you mentioned and I kind of said, yeah, we'll get back to that because I wanted to have the conversation kind of one at a time, is... 
there's a lot of uh, surprise that he would be a virgin because, you know, that, as you said, it's a surprising that like a 15 year old or however old he's supposed to be would be a virgin, even though it, that's not surprising at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a trope in movies for teenagers of virgin shaming. Yes, absolutely. Right? Per- and that is particularly aimed at boys. Mm-hmm. So while the movie kind of subverts expectations by being like virgin is a category that includes boys, it also very much follows the cultural script of like, but for a boy to be a virgin is shameful. Yeah. And for a girl not to be a virgin is shameful. Mm -hmm. And the double standard of that is they don't really talk about uh, whether being a girl not being a virgin is shameful in this movie. No. But uh, other things do but they do talk a lot about like him being a virgin is something he's ashamed of yes exactly or at the very least embarrassed about embarrassed about right yeah when like yeah i don't know how old they actually are but you know no they're really they're like 16 maybe and even if they were 18 like sexual choices are personal yeah exactly exactly even if they were 40. Like, the 40-year-old virgin isn't a punchline. Yeah. Precisely. Precisely. So, moving on from virginity, it's a strong note in this movie, but it's not the only thing to take seriously. What else do you want to take seriously about this movie? I wanted to talk a little bit about... And maybe this is going to be a short conversation, because from me, it's kind of a disingenuous issue. But, like, witchcraft is a thing that people get worked up about. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a movie about witches, and witches get depicted in all kinds of different ways in media. But these witches are, like, devil-worshipping evil. Yeah, exactly. What do we think about that? It's definitely going along with the stereotypes of witches and it's very much like it takes place in Salem yeah which like there's a whole weird thing about Salem because it's where witch trials took place that were like they they weren't witches yeah. the people that, that were killed in Salem it was a travesty that they killed these young girls for really no reason yeah and then but in modern day Salem there's like a statue of Samantha from Bewitched in the town square. They've embraced this witchness about them, which is kind of insanely disrespectful of yeah. the people who died. It's like, I mean, I don't know, actually want to make any analogy. Any analogy is going to be disrespectful too. But yeah, those were actual people actually murdered by... Uh, mob mentality. Mob mentality. And a couple hundred years later, we're like, ha wasn't that a hilarious time in our past? Yep, exactly. I feel like we've talked about Salem on this podcast before. Maybe I've we've just had this conversation off mic. But even if we have had it in a podcast, having it again, that like... It's messed up. It's messed up. It's messed up. And Salem gets a, is a stand-in in this movie and in pop culture for like Salem. Witches. That's where witches are. Salem is where witches are. Except, like, historically, Salem is famously where witches weren't. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Salem is famously where people thought there were witches and killed innocent people who weren't witches. 
right? No matter what you believe about uh, Wicca or devil worship, whether you're a skeptic or you believe that there is devil worship or you're a practicing Wicca, I've never heard anyone earnestly argue that the witches in Salem were actual witches. Yeah, exactly. Right? Even the most earnest believers in witchcraft as an evil thing don't think the Salem witchcraft witch trials were an example of them catching actual devil-worshipping witches. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So, it's kind of gross that we keep coming back to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 just really really disrespectful that we keep coming back to this. Really disrespectful what's happened in Salem. Yeah. And then, so that to take this uh, movie and set it in Salem is just like kind of an eye roll. Mm-hmm. And then to have these witches that are very evil and yeah, sucking the souls of children, doing the worst of all possible things, which is to kill children. Yep. Um. I mean, in like in the eyes of a movie, yeah, yeah. and in real life too. Um, <laughs> and in a movie, not ign- killing a dog might be worse than killing a child, but we could argue. <laughs> in the in a movie, in a movie, in movie true, logic. True story. True story. <laughs> Sorry, um, interrupted. It's okay. But is it disrespectful to? Are you thinking it's disrespectful to real witches? To people who practice uh, Well, that's Wicca? the other question. I think it's definitely disrespectful to real historical people who were killed in Salem witch trials, mm. right? I think, uh, I wonder whether it's disrespectful to people who practice Wicca. I have always thought that uh, conflating biblical devil-worshipping witchcraft and Wicca is a mistake. <laughs> Because uh, those are yeah. not the same thing. Yeah. And conflating fanta- fantasy magic use with either of those things is also a mistake. Yeah. So like Buffy Vampire Slayer and when they start talking about Willow being Wiccan, they're like, no, though, <laughs> that's yeah. not what Wicca is. Right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure whether I think, like, there's such a difference between between these witches and practicers of Wicca, mm-hmm. that I'm not sure. But actually, I am sure it's not helping. Yeah. It's not doing anything good. Yeah, for exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's the other, like, thing in this movie. What do you think? Yeah, that's exactly kind of what I'm thinking along the lines of. The other thing about them is that they're women. Yes. Is there something? To, is there something there? Is there something to be said about having women villains automatically are witches? Women villains are a good thing because to have women of all kinds, or is it a stereotypical women are the evil witches and they cackle and are sucking children? What is it there? What do you think? I mean, I think there's two things to, at least, to talk about. One is, why is there such a association of witches, female witches, uh, witches, witches, uh, eating children? Is because mm-hmm. it is a perverse uh, 
overturning of the natural order of things, which is that women are supposed to create children and feed them, not kill children and eat them. Yeah. Right? And so it's like, specifically women and children is playing on inverting the, like, natural... I mean, it is natural. Uh, It is not natural that all women create children through childbirth, but it is natural that all children are created by women. Yes. Right? But uh, there's a reason why that is a trope. Mm -hmm. Why we don't have men eating children. Yeah. Because men's bodies don't feed children. Mm -hmm. Right? That's part of why witches are always women. And then the other question that I think is so interesting is like, why are women magic users evil witches and men magic users are wise wizards? Mm-hmm. Wizards aren't evil, right? Yeah. Until well, sometimes they are, but... Sometimes they are, but, like, basically, the reason that we have warlock as a phrase instead of wizard as the equivalent of witch is because wizards aren't... Until Harry Potter, culturally, wizards were not the equivalent the gender-flipped equivalent of witches, Mm -hmm. because witches were evil. Yeah. And wizards are not necessarily evil. And warlocks are necessarily evil, and so warlock is the opposite of... uh, Not opposite. Warlock is the inverted gender equivalent of witch, right? Yeah. Um, And I think it is, as it was historically with actual women actually killed, it continues to be pervasive that, like... Powerful women are bad and scary and mm-hmm. villainous. Yeah. That said, the Sanderson sisters are great. <laughs> right? Yes, absolutely. And in this movie, like, I think that it is good in this movie that we have the three Sanderson sisters and that they are basically the focus. Like, they're evil. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not rooting for them to succeed. But they have the bulk of the movie's attention. Yes. More than the kids. I don't have to count minutes of screen time, but whether they're on screen more, they certainly uh, fill the imaginative space of the movie much more than the three kids do. Absolutely. And, And they're so fun and compelling and interesting, even as villains, that I don't think that they are... Even though they're playing with a lot of these tropes, I don't think they end up actually being uh, tropic or flat. Mm-hmm. And anytime we have uh, women, people of color, anytime we have underrepresented groups represented on screen in interesting ways, I think that's for the good. Mm-hmm. And they def- definitely the three of them are all very different from each other. Yeah. And so that's a really nice thing to have. And I like all three of them in how they're like, they're both fun to watch. And they're also, all three of them are pretty great, actually. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite moment from the <laughs> Sanderson sisters? I, I mean, Sarah Jessica Parker's Sarah Sanderson is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> she is so funny throughout this so movie. So funny. She is absolutely hilarious. And like, I can't pick Almost any line that comes out of her mouth cracks me up. They're like, what a pretty spider. <laughs> and then eats it. Yeah. Or like, you know. <laughs> and just like, she's so, or when, 
Winifred Bette Midler is like, Why? Why was I cursed with such idiot sisters? <laughs> Just lucky, I guess. <gasps> <laughs> She's like the Pinkie Pie of witches. She is. I love it. She, um, I really love all three of them, but the moment where she dances, Sarah Sanderson... Mm-hmm. Is like those are the moments that crack me up the most. Is when they're like, and you were dancing crazy over here, and she like does a little dance to herself. <laughs> just like all of her body motions are just so funny. Yep. All three of them are good physical comedians. Yep. And so I really, when when we're talking about women in this movie, you've got these three really physical, really quick witted, smart talented comedic women and that is always good to see yeah i was gonna say that's part of why it's such a good why i think in terms of gender representation this gets a plus from me is partly because of the characters but it's partly like these three actors get a chance to be great on screen Mm -hmm. and it's awesome that they do and they are all like knocking out of the park. Yeah. We could talk about the three of them in terms of like, it's not a coincidence and it's not uh, new to this movie that there are three of them and that they are three different archetypes of women. Mm-hmm. The mother, the maiden, the crone. Mm-hmm. And it is easy to see that, uh, Bette Mid- I mean, Bette Midler, it's not a crone, but like, there's they they fall into those archetypes, mm-hmm. right? That Winifred is the crone, Mary is the mother, and uh, Sarah is the maiden. They're falling into the three types of women that are allowed. Mm-hmm. Do we have thoughts about that? Uh, I think they're archetypes of those the mother the maiden the crone but i think they don't fall into those tropes i think that if sarah jessica parker is the maiden she's certainly not very maiden like well because they're witches because they're witches they're like evil, they're the evil versions of that yeah they're like <laughs> perverted perverted in the sense of not like yeah they're like perverse versions of that right yeah so the maiden is supposed to represent uh, innocence and purity, and mm-hmm. she doesn't at all. But she still is uh, re- represents like what happens when that goes wrong. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to put actually too much. I want to draw attention to that, but I think it's there's not actually much there to talk about. Yeah, I think that for a movie that was that came out in 1993. A lot of the older movies that we watched like this, there have been like cringeworthy moments. The moments of like, ah, oh, oh, this is an old movie. I didn't find myself doing that in this movie. No, not at all. And so that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, In terms of race, this movie is super white. I don't think there's a person of color in the entire movie. Maybe in the background of the crowd scenes, but Maybe. I don't know. Maybe under the makeup. Yeah, exactly. Someone wearing makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, But 
so that might push it in one direction or the other. But is it good? Is it seriously good? I think it's good. I think it's good. I think the thing that's ungood about it is the kid actors, and mm-hmm. that's not bad. Yeah, it's medium at worst. Well, no, the the the, the bullies the bullies are, are bad. really really bad. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But so bad they're funny. <laughs> yeah, they're not funny as they were meant to be. No, they sure aren't. <laughs> they are meant to be funny, but they're not funny in that way. No, and I think the problem there is writing as much as acting. Yeah, although and directing and directing, although acting is not great (laughs) but other than that though like so that's bad the lead the three lead kids are medium quality i think but the sanderson sisters are very good quality both in acting and and costuming and directing and script writing like everything about them is really well done so they pushed this movie into good yeah straight up good is it seriously good (sighs) oh I don't think I can say it's fully seriously good. No, I don't think it's seriously good. Because I just don't want to put it in that in that category. It's decent. Yeah. It's, the whole like virgin, 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 virgin constantly is a problem. Is a problem. It just is too much. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for many multiple reasons that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... The fact that it's just, like, super white. Yeah. So, I feel like calling it seriously medium. Yeah. I think so. There are good things. There are seriously good things about it. And I think that the representation of gender ends up on the seriously good. But I think that the the conversations around sexuality, and particularly virginity, and the complete whiteness of it... Don't let me be comfortable going higher than medium. Yeah. So, good, but seriously medium. All right. Focus, focus. Well, thank you very much for listening to this podcast episode. Happy Halloween. Hopefully I get this edited and out while it's still Halloween is in the visible in the rearview mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Uh if you want to talk to us about Hocus Pocus, about whether there really are witches and they're evil and should be hanged or burned in a kiln, you can talk to us on Twitter at WTScast through Gmail, waytoseriouslycast at gmail.com. You can find links to Facebook and Reddit and Instagram in the show notes. And if you like this show, please rate it and review it on iTunes. That would be just super. And if you want us to keep making podcasts and want to be a part of what makes that happen, please support us on patreon.com slash clockworkscast. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And I'm going to go run amok now. A muck, a muck, a muck, a muck, a muck, a muck.